Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to the pod where we chat, argue, and wax poetically about the movies that we love, hate, or that are simply worth talking about. All movies have something to say, and we enjoy trying to analyze what they capture. Welcome to the Chatter After. How is everybody doing out there? I'm Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet Fan here, and I'm so excited to be back here to talk movies. And we're not just talking any movies. We are celebrating the return of Henry Cavill to the DC Universe as Superman, and we're talking Man of Steel. The Superman movie of our generation, we're talking with a great crew of people. I have the entire TCA crew and two very special guests. We got the one, Jawan. Hello, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Awesome. I got my friend, Isaac Wolf. Five minutes. Mike <laughs> Thomas. What do you guys think the budget was on this movie? You're not going to let that one go, aren't you? Hey, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> and the one and only creator of Superman on film and co-host of the highly popular The Fanboy Podcast, the one and only biggest Superman fan that I've ever known in my life, <laughs> and not because he's my cousin, Mary Francisco <laughs> Robles. What's up, bro? Hey. How you doing, primo? Uh, it's an honor to be here on TCA to have better actor for Steel. Considering you were like my my test audience, you were my pilot audience for the Fanboy Podcast back in like 2013 when I was ranting about this movie and predicting what it would be and how it would go and what how my my life's happiness depended upon it. Back then. So uh, <laughs> we did a, a, an epic chatter before uh, nine years ago. Now yeah. we finally get to do the the back end of it. So. Yeah. Let's do this. And the craziest thing is what people don't know, and I'm glad you mentioned that moment. We were locked inside our grandfather's apartment back in Puerto Rico, and we watched by choice, Superman. By choice. Yeah, by choice. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, nowadays. Um, we were watching. We watched Superman 1. I think we did 2 and Superman Returns. Just mm -hmm. getting ready, getting those creative juices flowing and enjoyment. And I'm glad that you brought that up because... Watching Man of Steel again, preparing for this pod, was a very big, different experience, not just because how much I know of the character now, how much more I'm in love with the character, but how much I've read of the character since my original viewing. I've read Birthright, recommended by you. I've read uh, Superman Earth One, which I love. I've read uh, Superman Year One by Frank Miller, which again, phenomenal run on Superman. And... Um, Superman's still a big icon for ages in the entire world. And I'm glad that he's going to be back in theaters very soon, not only in the cameo in Black Adam, but in his own films. But of course, we have a way of doing things here in the Shatter After. So we're going to go around the table. We're going to talk about first impressions to Man of Steel and re-impressions as we rewatched it to start the conversation. And then we'll start digging into the film, things that we love, things that we didn't like, or just things that are worth analyzing into it. If you guys love what we do here at the Shatter After Podcast, make sure to like, subscribe, and click on the bell icon there at Novice Cinephile Network so you don't miss any episode of the Shatter After. And if you want to listen to us on the go, the Shatter After Podcast is available everywhere on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Juwan, it's your first visit to the Shatter After. So let's start with you. First impressions, the first time you saw um, Man of Steel and revisiting it for the pod. Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> I, I really thought 
so for me, my first Superman was Brandon. I hadn't. I grew up a Batman fan, so Superman was never really that important to me. <laughs> so Brandon Superman Returns is my first Superman. So I remember going, man, this is not how you should do a Superman movie. <laughs> so when I got Man of Steel, um, it, it just it, it gave me something of Superman. I never thought I'd have, and that's like an extreme deep care about the character. Uh, Cause it, it didn't come off as just the ultimate boy scout. Like it was a little bit more rough around the edges, a little bit darker, almost literally uh, with how Zach filmed it, but it just felt so different, you, you know, so different than what I'm used to from, from what Superman gives. Um, I, I really left that movie the first time thinking, this is a start to something really, really, really good. Perfect casting for Superman. Great direction. Um, and then rewatching it, I kind of still feel the same. I, I would have liked for it to not be uh, visually confusing at certain points during the fight. Um, during the, the, the last fight at the end, but I still view it as one of the best DCEU films. It's still number one for me. Nothing has topped it DCEU-wise. Um, I don't really think anything will. It was just brilliant way to bring back Superman for a lot of people who maybe lost a little faith <laughs> after Superman Returns. Um, so for me, I, I viewed this as one of the better superhero movies during that time. And I look back at it, still is the same. Awesome. Mike, Superman, Man of Steel. Yeah, this is a movie that exists. Um, I don't hate a lot of movies. This is one that kind of hits the hate scale for me. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be that one guy, I guess, in the, in, the, in the conversation that does not like Man of Steel. I love Superman as a character. He's one of my favorite superheroes. I grew up with Superman the Animated Series. I watched Smallville. I watched the Christopher Reeve film. So, like, Superman has been a part of my life just as much as Batman has. Um, and, yeah, I just couldn't get into this film. And I'll get into why as the conversation kind of goes forward. But I, I'm i the exact opposite of Jawan in a sense, right, where I had that care for Superman. And this movie made me not care about Superman, which I think is fascinating. Interesting. Isaac Wolf. Well, I have. How should I put it? Also, I'm. I'm in the similar position as John. Um, I wasn't the biggest Superman fan. I when I saw, um, although when I saw Superman Returns, I mean, uh, uh, which I did before, I just said, eh, "It's all right." I didn't think it was as bad as some. Uh, some people, uh, you know, claimed it was, but I didn't thought it was as good as other was. It, yeah, it's a running theme, uh, Mario. I can see you're la uh, laughing right now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, it was just okay at the time. But then we go to Man of Steel, and I don't know really what it was. Maybe because I didn't have a real sort of connection like Mike uh, uh, has with it, for example, but it clicked, uh, so to speak. Uh, and I actually think it's going back, and um, uh, I really enjoyed it. It's honestly one of the only DCU movies I actually seen 
more than once in the theater. Saw it twice. And uh, yeah, I know. I saw it uh, twice. Yeah, I know. It's not often that I'm going to the movies um, more than once. The only one I, the one I rewatched the most in theaters uh, is, funny enough, uh, Detective Pikachu, which I saw four times. But I digress. Uh, but in the, it's interesting because uh, for me, I know about uh, how people felt originally with with the earlier movies, and I had a grasp on it, uh, so to speak. I have no connection, but I know uh, no connection myself, if that uh, that makes any sense. And when I first saw it, I used to felt uh, one of the major things I felt was this is a solid starting point. Let's see how they continued it. And well, it's up to argument of how they, uh, how they succeeded there, but we're not going to talking about Batman v Superman and the other movies right now. It's all about Man of Steel. Awesome. Awesome. Mario, Man of Steel, so, talk to us. Yeah. Uh, before I'd even gone to see the film, I'd already gone way back and forth a few times in my internal hype on it. Because on the surface, from the outset, when they announced it, I was excited because, okay, we were going to get a new Superman movie. I'd already gone through a whole roller coaster ride following the Superman Returns and, and waiting for a sequel on that and following the four previous iterations to get a Superman film off the ground prior to Superman Returns. So as a fan, I'd already kind of like been on a crazy roller coaster ride waiting to see Superman finally thrive and flourish on the big screen again. And when they announced it, I was excited. But then when I found out they were bringing in uh, Zack Snyder to direct it, then I got a little anxious because, you know, I like the idea that it's coming from Nolan. It's coming from Goyer. I trusted them from the Dark Knight trilogy. I still had a great reverence for Nolan at the time. I thought Goyer had some interesting stuff to say in the superhero space. I liked kind of his approach to the Batman lore and the Dark Knight trilogy. So that sold me. But then the Snyder thing threw me for a loop because... I hadn't really been into Watchmen at all, and 300, I thought, was like, again, with both of those films, I thought they were very high on style, very low on heart and characterization and emotional nuance. It just seemed like very visually appealing, but no real heart or soul in there for me. So I got yeah. a little anxious, and early on, I kind of like, uh, as soon as they inside, I kind of like, I'm not sure about this. I need to see some teasers and trailers first. Then I saw the teasers and trailers and started still just barely warming up. It wasn't until trailer three came out that I was finally like, okay, they might have a modern day Superman classic here. The ultimate retelling of the lore. Let's do this. So right there in the last final push of the movie, I got very, very overexcited. So what ended up happening was <laughs> I saw the movie. I thought it was pretty good not great and uh, the main my main bone to pick with it was in the last act the last 45 minutes i felt kind of betrayed the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie had a lot of heart and it was more contemplative emotional sort of piece and i love the way it told the superman mythology but then in the last 45 minutes it just became buildings collapsing and disaster porn and superman not showing any care for really for those around him and trying to minimize the damage and he seemed more like some sort of blunt force instrument of just you know 
revenge or whatever he was trying to do. He did not seem like the hero that I was trying to recognize. So I remember feeling like the end had let me down, but I had seen enough flashes of brilliance with how they had sort of restated the mythology that I was still intrigued for where they were going next. I still wanted to see a sequel. Uh, in the years subsequent to that, the things that I thought were pretty good, I've just fallen completely in love for. Like now I just love them so much that it actually makes my bone to pick with the third act far less of a of a big deal for me. It, it, that, that, that takes away a lot less than it used to. And now to me, it's, it's evolved from pretty good to actually a great Superman movie that just needs, uh, you know, needed to show a little more restraint there in the third act. But that's where I'm at nowadays with Man of Steel. So for me, I always loved Man of Steel. Like from the moment that I came out, this is the shirt that I wore that day. It was so <laughs> funny because if you go back to Facebook, Mario has a post of showing the S and I was all I was on the other side of the ocean because I was in Puerto Rico, I was in New York, so I had to answer in kind. But uh, <laughs> we both had that shirt. I was wearing yes. the Cavill Superman shirt. So yeah, Anyways, nice. it's a thing. Um, but I love this film because to me it was so. It's funny what the Jawan brought up Superman Returns, and this is just to talk about because I, you guys know I love it. I already love Man of Steel, so I don't want to. I want to talk about it. Um, but Superman Returns to me was very interesting that Juwan brought it up and how it didn't click with him. Because what I found interesting in Superman Returns is that Superman Returns is not a bad movie for what I know of the character. But instead of embracing the literature, it embraces the cinematic history of the character. Which, when you think about it and put it into contrast with the years of literature that we've had, it's kind of limited. And it only shares one image or one side of the character and of course it tried to modernize its story a little bit with the whole kid thing and stuff like that but you could say that when it comes to becoming a new superman for our generation it really tried grasping the past a lot more than it did to create a path forward right mm -hmm. and that is why i love man of steel so much because it, it felt like a clean break from anything that came before it, and not only did it reignite my passion for Superman, but I felt that I was mirroring the character for the first time. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, okay, this is something that I've seen before. No, everything's different. Everything's more in depth. Every, we're paying attention to every single detail of what makes this person particular. And now going back to watching it for the pod, there were so many scenes that I get teared up on because like I said before, now that I've read so many books of the character and I know him well and I've fallen in love with the character and what he stands for, now that I see all the conversations with Jonathan Kent, now that I see all the conversations with, um, with his mom, now when I see his encounters with his dad, Jor-El, um, and I see his innocence, there's this innocence that Cavill brings to the performance because he's just trying to find his place in the world. And he cannot be the man of steel that we need until he be, finds himself, right. which was why that the first two parts of that movie are so great. And they embrace the literature. They em embrace birthright. They embrace um, year one, or at least year one came after, but they embrace earth one. And um, 
seeing all those things and what him discovering what he needs to be or, who, or the fact that there's a choice of who he chooses to be the fact that he chooses to be the man of steel or yep. correction the man of steel because he's man of steel regardless the fact that he chooses to be superman is what defines the path moving forward so when you when i left the theater or when i leave watching this movie it's like okay i see that this man is deciding to be this hero and i just want to follow his his drive and where he goes and um which is why now the cavil's back it's like okay we're picking up that and moving forward um now we had a lot of love a lot of trouble a lot of hate or a lot of discomfort with the film um i feel that it the best thing to do it is probably take it apart into acts or whatever um and i want to start with you mario um i'm i fell in love entirely with the whole krypton sequence because one of the things about the Krypton sequence in Man of Steel that I loved is, wow, the fact that we can do create this world and make it so distinct and so particular and so alien-esque. You know, like, because when you go back to Marlon Brando and all that stuff, you know, it literally feels too human-like. It doesn't feel like it's something out there. So I like how it embraced a lot of the, um, a lot of the, again, the books about how everything looks space-like, the creatures, the environment. Um, what was your take when you saw Krypton for the first time? Um, and again, the first testament of Zack Snyder's visual, how he saw the world that Superman came from. Yeah. Right away, I was blown away and I loved it. And I was hoping to get like a sequel or a TV series that's entirely in that world. Uh, I thought it was very um, visionary and imaginative. I was really into seeing like the alien creatures and the alien tech that existed there. Hans Zimmer's score was hitting on all cylinders during that whole sequence. Seeing how they set up basically the building blocks of the story here. Uh, I thought was just, um, I thought it was handled really, really well. I felt like Snyder was treating this like he was telling something mythical. He was telling something that was grand and important. This didn't feel like some frivolous, simple, easy paint by numbers. Here's the origin you've heard about a million times in your life. This felt like the first time in a way. There was just something important and grandiose and solemn and thought-provoking to me about it. And yeah, they, they cram a lot of information in there. There is a lot of exposition. They have to set up the whole thing about, you know, the sort of uh, the caste system there in Krypton with all the kids, you know, the, the codex and how people are born into particular occupations. They had to set up the, the Krypton as being destroyed. They had to set up, you know, baby Kal-El getting shipped off and have the, the, the talk between Laura and Jor-El. Like, there was a lot that had to happen there and the confrontation between Jor-El and Zod. You know, there was a lot of ground to cover, but I thought they did it really, really well. And I was gripped and hooked right from the outset there with that first act what do you think about the execution isaac and to the rest um isaac specifically about the establishing of that lore and mythology mike do you want to go first he pointed you out though isaac 
Okay. <laughs> Isaac, do you want to answer? Sure. Mike, okay, sure, man. He mentioned Mike also. So I was thinking. And he uh, looked ready. He but... mentioned everyone in the beginning. I was just okay. introducing Anyway, when it, when it comes to... Isaac, we don't have the budget for all these edits, man. You got you to gotta just go with the flow. This is part of the fun. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> We're funny, Mike. But what I was digress. your role in the codex, Isaac? No. I'm... <laughs> Chaos. I was. Uh, I'm always chaos. You know that. <laughs> but uh, honestly, uh, the opening scene with Krypton and uh, the whole going into how uh, the society worked, how it looked, and all that. Yes, I'm uh, with Mari. I wanted uh, something that would tap into that more, be it a prequel movie, um, TV show, or something, because. Even for the before I met you, uh, met you, Mike, for example, I, those that I know that disliked the movie said that the Krypton stuff. I know that people that hate the movie love the Krypton stuff. So it you're was saying like scene. like like you always saw that it was that was one of the sections that was universally loved. Is what you're trying to say? Yes, yes, that was. I mean, so which is honestly something I'm surprised that they didn't do more. Sure, they did the Krypton part, but is that really? Uh, uh, but is that meant to be canon to Man of Steel? The really. yeah, show? Originally, it was gonna be like a prequel series, and then they just cut ties with it a little bit. Yeah, okay. it's the Agents of Shield of the DC universe. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. But the Agent of Shield actually was good so i mean krypton apparently was good in the beginning but then they just said yes no <laughs> and actually can i add one thing i'm sorry because i realized we moved off but i really there was one other thing i wanted to point out about the way they set up things there in that first act that i really appreciated uh, i've always liked the idea that krypton's destruction should not just be some scientific mumbo jumbo type thing it should be something that the people of krypton accidentally or through their own injury caused you know what I mean? Yep, and yep. in there, they, they say that, that by mining the core and everything, we've accelerated the destruction of the planet, this, this, and that. Because then it really kind of grounds Kal-El's mission on Earth in something that's really kind of like relatable and palpable. You know, it's like our people here destroyed our planet. They didn't listen to science and they just kept on doing what they were doing and they destroyed our planet. And now you have to go someplace and try to stop them from doing the same thing. You know, so I kind of love that sort of uh, the, the allegory and all that sort of stuff. So the fact that Krypton doesn't just explode for some random, unavoidable, scientific, vague reason. Like a loud space that, fart. Yeah. Like <laughs> the fact that it actually gets destroyed because of yeah. negligence and ignorance. And now yeah. Superman has to sort of make sure Earth doesn't do that by inspiring hope and bringing us together. I'm a big fan of all that. And I'm glad that you brought that up and we go to Jawan after, unless Isaac, I don't know if you have something else to add to that. Um, I like how that everything that they set up on that first act or sequence in Krypton all has something. It's all seeds that are sowed for the rest of the film and the rest of the through lines. Like the fact that from there to the connection between Jor-El and Kal-El to then Kal-El making that decision Krypton had its chance because at mm -hmm. this point Krypton's already dead. 
So why are we yep. going to kill all these living people just to bring people back from the dead? No, we got to yep. save the ones that are alive. The point is to save, not to kill, to try and save. Which again, it's a great Superman move that's based, which I, which I love the, the screenplay. I mean, David Gore's screenplay, which is great. Um, Juwan, Krypton sequence. I loved it. Um, not, not often do I think people outperform Russell Crowe in a scene, but Michael Shannon uh, literally put his foot all up in it. Um, that one line was just like, I think we all, <laughs> we all love the one line. Um, I will not. find him. <laughs> right, right. No, it's the buildup. Um, right? It is. It really is. It really is. It's the seven times um, he says it. Yes. <laughs> well, he wanted to make it clear that he would find him, <laughs> and he did. Uh, it's like an man, anime. Once you say it, it has to happen. I mean, he's spoken into existence. Man, he's a man of his word. Um, <laughs> but no, I just really thought it was very well done. Uh, I, I did think, and I know I'm the only one that thought this, but I was a little upset that there wasn't any Kara mention whatsoever. I know Zach tried to kind of like throw it in there afterwards, but I'm like, it not being talked about literally at all was a little bothersome, especially if you were supposed to tell me that one already existed on Earth. <laughs> like, she had already landed on Earth before him. Like, why wouldn't you say that? Like, yeah, that's how we knew to send him to Earth. We sent her to Earth. Like, I just thought that was really weird. But everything else I thought was visually pleasing. David Goyer is somebody I often do not trust because of what he did to me with the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, so I was very pleased at what I enjoyed from a, <laughs> from a lot of this sequence of the opening of this movie. Mike. Are we really going to just let him slander the Dark Knight trilogy so casually? Just so <laughs> casually. You know why? I mean, you know why? Because, exactly. Because he thinks we're not going to bring him back to hold him accountable. <laughs> oh, I will definitely be here for that. It's a long life. Well, listen, I will help you bury the dark knight rising <laughs> but that man begins in the dark knight you know come on now yeah okay and we'll i will pull the dark knight rises from the depths of the lazarus pit oh no dark knight rises is irredeemable tripe go on <laughs> go my speaking of which man of steel so <laughs> oh, oh we, this movie damn. i think it's fascinating first off brandon says he wants to go through this by axe this is a four-act movie yeah. We spend so long on Krypton. We spend tw I counted. We spent 20 minutes on Krypton. And it's a good <laughs> sequence. I'm not going to say it's a bad sequence. But it has nothing it has nothing to do with the movie itself because we have scenes with with Clark interacting with Jarrell, recapping this prologue anyway. <laughs> so to me it feels kind of like a waste of time like it feels like Zach had an idea of like, I want this really cool scene set on Krypton. And he went for it. But then they kept the part of the draft where Jarrell just tells us what happens anyway. So it's like, I kind of don't understand from a, from a narrative perspective, why we either needed the scene later on or why we needed the scene at the beginning. And that's where it's, it's kind of weird going 20 minutes without seeing Superman or Kal-El in any really major form or fashion aside well from... did you see superman the movie where it takes about 45 minutes before we finally see <laughs> you see right? you see that movie's like 50 years old <laughs> i'm giving it a pass I, I, that, wow. <laughs> i'm not gonna sit here and say that's you know peak fiction right that's 
it's okay. It's Superman the movie. We should be past that. We shouldn't be trying to emulate that. <laughs> but so term, well, actually, I, I'm glad you used that word. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joanne. No, no, no. I was just gonna say. So the term "it's so nice," you had to say it twice. Doesn't it doesn't appeal to you at all, Mike? He couldn't have showed it to you and then like, <laughs> let me just tell you again how dope that was. Like that was that was pretty awesome. No, let, you remember I'm, that? I'm, like, <laughs> this isn't Naruto, man. I don't need 20 flashbacks <laughs> in a flashback. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up emulating that though. Like. <laughs> That is sort of a problem with the first act, you ask me, yeah. because it does very much echo the beginning of Superman the movie. Yeah, And I've actually written a, a column about this because a, a lot of uh, defenders and apologists for the film over the years have decried the fact that, you know, why do critics uh, compare this to the Christopher Reeve movie? That was not, you know, that was many years ago. Forget about it. But unfortunately, the way the movie's structured, it kind of begs to be compared yeah. to it, you know, yeah. because they didn't have to open with a, an opening sequence on Krypton, basically has him giving the speech to baby Kal-El and putting him in the rocket ship, has him telling the council about Krypton's impending death and his confrontation with Zod and us seeing Zod go to the Phantom Zone. All right. of that was already done in Superman movie. And it's not like that is the only Superman origin story. That's just one way they could have told it. General Zod wasn't even like a, a, a main villain of Superman's until the movie like beefed up his profile. They could have gone any number of ways with this. He's the black Adam of Zod, that era. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, by choosing Zod and by opening it with the same exact launch pad for the story, you're inviting people to compare it to that. They've done a, the, the origin story any number of ways, and they could have had any number of villains. And I bet you comparisons would not have really happened as much as they, as they ended up. Well, I, I think that was part of the, the plan going in, was that you were trying to merge the people of yesterday with the people mm -hmm. of, of tomorrow, right? To where you had a group that's like, man, I, I haven't really had a Superman since Reeves, right? So you give them the feel of that. You give people a little bit of the darkness superman returns uh visually kind of gave you uh in the embrace of moving forward right so i think they were trying to maybe hit on that but i think for some people it was just like yeah no it, it didn't work for me the way that you wanted it to but i think they were definitely trying to hit on on both aspects yeah i, I my yeah. only thing on that is it's just it's it's, it's such a different way than the approach batman begins because when they batman right. begin they didn't tell a story that could be compared to the first michael keaton batman movie it was very clearly something quite different and yeah. man of steel for better or worse kind of apes the exact sort of launch story for superman the movie but. I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, yeah, it's really inviting comparisons. And that, I think, is its biggest struggle with a lot of people. Because if it did try and be like Batman Begins and be something completely unique, it might have been easier for people to accept this version of Superman. Mm -hmm. um, I, because, I firmly believe that. Yeah, because Batman Begins is nothing like Batman 89. It's not trying to be like Batman 89 mm -hmm. at all. And so it was able to carve Batman. out its own path. Same with the Batman, right? The Batman is nothing like the previous versions. Where Superman, for better or worse, you know, such an iconic character seems to stay in a rut sometimes as far as his cinematic appearances. We keep trying to tell the same version of the story instead of going completely different and unique. 
Yeah, if you think about it, we're still using the same launch story from 1978 because even Superman Returns was a continuation of that, and Man of Steel had told its own version of that. So it's like we haven't seen a Superman movie yet that didn't start with Zod and Jor-El's warnings and, you know, and, and Zod in the Phantom Zone eventually coming to Earth to fight him in Metropolis. We haven't oh. seen a Superman movie that wasn't based on that. Yeah. Also, before we move away from the subject, it's just really it'll forever be dumb to me that we send Zod to the Phantom Zone as Krypton's exploding. Like, just let him <laughs> die on Krypton with everyone else. <laughs> it yeah, wouldn't yeah. have fit the narrative, Mike. Goodness gracious, you got well, a narrative to keep up here. Well, <laughs> so, all right, Brandon, steer the ship. Where we're we going next? <laughs> well, well I, I haven't given my take on oh, based on all yes. your conversations. Yeah, because I'm here to defend the Krypton Act in Man okay. of Steel. Yeah. So the whole point of the Krypton Act, at least the way I see it, is not just to reintroduce those scenes and those beats. Right? It's all to highlight how the wrong choices destroy the people and create have repercussions to the future and other places right because because the reason they send sod back into the phantom zone is because up to this point the council doesn't believe Jarrell. so they just send them away like it's another day of business we're going to send them to prison and that's it because they're not thinking they're all going to die right the only person that actually believed this even at the death of her husband and sending her kid to earth is laura Right. And saw it in his own way, knew that he was being that was going to destroy it, which is why I would be I actually very interested in understanding the fact that he probably had this certainty that he will find him because one, he either thought that he was going to come back out of the family zone at some point or two, he believed Jor-El's theory of Krypton's imminent demise. So because you have those two things, because you have that sense of kinship between um, Zod and Jor-El, that's kind of tease, right, which kind of makes that relationship with um w w when he interacts with Kal-El a little bit more interesting now the one theme that goes that's that's cemented and presented in the krypton sequence that to me is very important which also justifies the echo and also justifies what comes later on is that the most important theme of man of steel is the theme of choice yeah. the I, the fact that everybody has a choice to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing and when Jorel made the choice to send his kid far away because he knew that the people in power would not try and do anything to save Krypton. He tried to save Krypton in that way because that was the only way that would have worked, right? He's not just trying to save his son. He's trying to save the people of his planet by sending the last son, right, over there, right? The whole thing with the Codex, the fact that choice has been taken away from its citizens for the sake of progress, um, that's the whole reason why they had a natural birth because choice was something that was removed. And Zod thought that that was a heresy because he thinks that the fact that roles are pre-designed or pre-designed is, is what actually allows Krypton to move forward. But then, but he, but he can't see beyond the fact that his role as a warrior cannot see the other sides of it and how politics get in the way and other people making bad choices destroy Krypton. The echo in, the sh in that scout ship between Jor-El is very important because that's the first time that Kal-El learns of the wrong choices. So on one side, you have Jonathan Kent teaching young Cal about how important, Clark, how important his choice in the future is going to be. And now you have his other father telling him the consequences of the wrong choices. 
So he's presented by his two father figures the idea of choice, that if you don't present the Krypton sequence and sow the seed, you can build up to the fact that towards the end, he makes the choice to defend Earth and let Krypton die. So you, so if you don't, if you don't, because that's really the purpose of that Krypton sequence, it's to present that theme and then stretch it out throughout. And um, yeah, that's, I defended. <laughs> but I mean, but you could have done a, a similar thing with the same theme and made Brainiac the villain or not retread this odd thing. They could have. Agreed, know, agreed. You know? But they went with the safe bet. And again, and, I mean, and Michael Shannon did a great job, which I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, the even whole with Feora being like the 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 what was her name, Ursa, like there were so many parallels. Oh, look, the yeah. feisty, short-haired female, you know, uh, sidekick for Zod. Like they were begging you to think about that. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't disagree with that. All the parallels yeah. are there, but at least the execution was a tad different in terms of the themes that they were trying to present. At least I oh, think. Oh yeah, for sure. I... Now, now, Jawan mentioned something about the whole Kara thing. I find it interesting that you mentioned that because I didn't think about it. And then I think about the fact that we see the open capsule in the scout ship, mm -hmm. which makes me think maybe the reason we don't hear about her or hear about this person, because remember, Kara is always older than Kal-El, but she looks younger because she was in cryogenic stasis or some type or lost wherever, whatever version of her origin you choose. She always looks younger because of that, right? So what if she woke up a little bit before the United States found the chip. So she just recently woke up, which is why we don't cut to her because she's probably trying to get a lay of the land wherever she is, which that's just my theory. <laughs> um, now, do you think with your idea of, with your, your ideas of the Krypton different versions, right? And, not retreading that, would you have eliminated that and start the story in the boat? Who are you asking? Uh, yeah. Me? In general, in general. Oh. Would you have started, <laughs> sorry, would you have started the movie with the, with this, with the boat, with the boat scene? I mean, in theory, you could have, right? It would have been a yeah. strong, it would have been like a striking beginning. We start right out in the ocean and the waves are crashing and, you know, you're in the middle of this situation. Yeah. You could have started right there, honestly. People you understand the Superman mythology so much that when you see this guy there, you know, you, you get it. Like, oh, they don't know that that's Clark. You know, Clark's hiding. I wonder why. You know, like it, it would kind of start things off with a bang. It, it would have been an interesting way to start. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That's very birthright. I, I agree yeah. because, again, in my notes, I have this broken down as a four-act movie. So we could yeah. just start from the proper act one, which would be in the boat and have like the, again, 20 minutes on Krypton, we have an action scene. And as soon as we meet Clark, we get into another action scene, right? So it's like, if that's just the proper beginning of the movie, you just hit the ground running. And then you have a lot of questions like, how did he get here? What's going on? And it, it's a bit more of a mystery because you're yeah. instantly invested in Clark, not questioning what just happened, or you're now concerned with Zod and what happened with Krypton. We start with Clark. And that's, that's honestly one of my issues with the film as a whole is, the content is is solid, but we have all of these flashbacks that are kind of sprinkled throughout and they don't really connect to the present day story for me. Like we, we cut from this point to Clark at school and he's having trouble with the heat vision, right? And it's a really great scene with his mother, 
but it had no bearing on what was actually going on with Clark in present day. Like if we see him using his heat vision, you know, in that scene, it's like he mastered it. She was able to get him to a point where he has control of that power. Go ahead, Juan. I have a question. Could you say that all the flashbacks actually cater more towards the ending where he literally had to become a superhero in five minutes and had no control of any of his powers. So that's why you got the, you know, disaster porn that you got was because he didn't know how to reel it back. He didn't Mm. know how to be like, okay, clearly that's a building with people. Let me not fly through it or let me not use my lasers where it brings down an entire building. I think that was more so of the idea of, remember we were talking, Mike, and we were saying like, maybe it wasn't, uh, you were saying maybe it wasn't the best idea to kind of tell your son to watch you die. But I think what goes to that is in kind of not ever letting him use his powers, he doesn't know how to use them the one time he actually really needs to know how to use them. And it kind of plays to the idea of I've never been able to utilize my powers before. Now you want me to save Earth. I don't know what I'm doing, right? So I'll, I'll laser a building where it falls on people. I don't know what I'm doing. Again, I might be trying to make this seem a lot better than it was, but maybe I, mean, the I idea hear you. That's just not a movie I want to watch. But you're not wrong necessarily. <laughs> maybe it's just, I'm just saying maybe that's what they were trying to connect was the idea of like. That's well, there's definitely. The yeah, the, the, that's definitely the 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 intention for one of them. The one in front of Sullivan and company, the the auto shop when the bullies are up and. In Clark's yeah. face, and he's grabbing the pole and he's restraining himself. And then when him and Jonathan have the talk afterward, it's about how you know uh, you would have hit him, but would you have felt better afterward? And blah blah blah. Choice. And this idea of the restraint and the choice. So they definitely were trying to plant the seeds for like his whole life. He's just been holding this in, even in the restaurant scene when the guy dumps beer on his face and makes him look a fool in front of everybody. You could see like the stillness of like he's just his whole life. He's just at the grin and bear it. And right. uh, when this guy finally lets loose, uh oh. So yeah, that's definitely <laughs> right. I think supposed to be some of the uh, the way to set the stage for the disaster porn to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I I wonder now I kind of want to see the edit of just grab the film and just start it at the boat. Yeah. And I want to yes, see you what my started at the boat. <laughs> you do the flashbacks the way they did, but also, but then when you get to the Jor-El and Kal-El on the scout ship history lesson, that's when you that's can go into full-blown flashback and use yeah. the footage that would have been the first that. scene, you know? That's Show a better edit, my thing. <laughs> Right? I'm yeah. You yep. can just make it one super edit. Interesting. Here. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I kind of want to watch that now. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do want to watch that now. <laughs> Um, so we have him figuring out, he's trying to find answers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can all agree that Zack Snyder just laid it thick with the whole truck scene. We didn't have to see that whole truck destroyed. We can literally edit that and say, okay, this is too much. <laughs> so as somebody who doesn't like this movie, I want to get your opinion, Brandon, and everybody else here. One of my issues is we have that scene, right? I don't have a problem with him destroying the truck. I have a problem with, I don't know who Clark is as a person because he does have the lack of choice. And a part of, I feel like a part of Superman's character is him being confident in who he is, right? And I understand that this is the origin we're trying to build to that, but 
like Batman Begins, for example, we see Bruce's parents die. We see how that affects him. And we get to the point where he decides to become a Batman. We see in Spider-Man, Peter decides to become Spider-Man. Same thing with every superhero origin. It's just very strange to me that this movie decides that Clark still reluctantly decides to become Superman when Zod shows up. Like there was at no 33. Reason. Yeah. Right. At 30. That's another thing. At 33 well, years old, it's kind of like, shouldn't he have some idea of who he is by that point? Like if he was, if he was 17, like if this was Smallville Clark, I kind of get it, but it's just, that's what kind of rubs you the wrong way with this whole movie. So could you say that? Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 sorry. go Juan. I was just going to say, could you say that Lois Lane kind of digging into the idea of who this superpowered being is, is kind of what faced him to kind of say, because like she was kind of laying it on him to like, you know, I kind of know who you are and yeah. I kind of think we need somebody like you. Um, yeah. And it kind of faced him with the idea of like, I have been running from this all my life, right? Like maybe it is time I face it head on. Um, maybe he didn't have the interests uh, before because he kind of just wanted to, see what he could become um and she kind of pushed him to facing you know a pass he really i guess mentally or emotionally wasn't ready to face it's interesting that the, the take that you guys are exploring is very interesting because i think it, for me yeah i feel it misses the point of the whole clark sequence right because mm -hmm. One of the things, or at least the angle that they're using here, because we've seen, um, and it's funny because we're talking about different origins, different take that we didn't have to do the Krypton thing. And it's funny because when Superman year one came out, the Frank Miller version of it, one of the things that I love about it is that despite everything that happened throughout his life, Clark was a very happy kid. He had a great childhood. He had a great time at school. You know what I mean? Um, it wasn't, but here they're playing the angle of outcast. They're kind of going for the Superman Spanish of the clan angle where he kind of understands that there's more to him, but he doesn't want to accept it because he's afraid of what that might mean. And, and the kind of angle that they're pushing here, especially when you have that conversation between Jonathan and Clark about where he was found that where he comes from that he comes from the stars and the fact that he does a guy like okay that's i'm what 12 years old you're telling me all this information but i just want to pretend to be your son like i just want to be a kid and i have all this burden and all these all this truth shove in my face um he can't i don't think he chooses to be a hero on a whim i don't think it's four to five seconds right i think this whole sequence that we have with Clark throughout, it's really all about him understanding where he comes from as a means of shaping his identity. And once he knows who he is, which again is the big celebratory come back home sequence, right? Like he comes to his, he comes to Martha and he goes like, I found him. I know who I am. Like he's, he's his Clark side or his human side has come full circle he can now make the choice because now he's gotten to that point or he's presented with an obvious opposition where he has to make a decision of, okay, am I going to do this to save myself? Am I, can I trust earth with who I am now that I know who I am, what I'm capable of? I think it also comes down to him believing his father. 
You know, Jonathan yeah. always told him that, you know, when you finally tell everyone this is going to change the world, it's not going to change your life. The entire world will be a different place when you reveal who you are. Right. And people suck and people are going to come after you. And yeah. if you look at all the flashbacks, there's a lot of mean humans around. A lot of mean. He's getting bullied. He's dealing with people talking about him like he's some kind of freak of nature. Like he, you know, he doesn't have really much of a reason to doubt his father. You know what I mean? And, and and it seems like that's one of the things that makes Lois so important in this version of the mythology. She's the only other human that he meets outside of his family who like, knows his secret and then like, embraces him and lets him know it's okay and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And when she yeah. embraces him, it's one of the things that gives him the, the uh, you know, the confidence and, and it's like, all right, fine. You know, so far, so good. One human knows and they've accepted now let's see what happens. Then we see him win over the army. You know, in, in the sequence where at the beginning, they're going to target him and all the other Kryptonian invaders. But then by the end, this man is not her enemy, right? Because he yeah. saves the one who shoots them. He saves Colonel Hardy. So we're seeing him like slowly win over more and more people. But up until this moment, no, you know, he's never done that before. So yes, he's 33. It took him a while. He's a late bloomer. But at 33, he finally interacts with other humans who see what he is embrace and love him for what he is and see what he could be and i think that's what gives him you know the ultimate confidence but up until that point uh it doesn't seem like humanity outside of martha kent has been that great to him you know and his yeah. father did just beat into his head for his whole life that bro when you tell people what's up you're gonna change all of earth's history that's a little, that's a lot of pressure. You might keep it to yourself for a while, you know? <laughs> no, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned the lowest thing. I'll go, I'll go straight back to you, Juwan, because I know you got something. But I don't, I want to go Isaac, on Isaac, are you alive? <laughs> I'm alive. I'm just uh, re listening to what you're saying, and I'm just, uh, where should I chime in? Because this is interesting. I'm just, um, go ahead, Brandon. I'm sorry. So, no, sure. you're fine. You're fine. I'm glad that you keep in the pulse. Um, so the whole thing about Lois that I, that I love also with that angle, especially that conversation in the cemetery, right? I like how that is a very important stage, like where Jonathan was buried, like a big, because that's where he goes to like reflect, right? Like we don't have a fortress of solitude yet. So that's kind of like anything close Forever to his- by the time this is over, but yes. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> we're celebrating- I'm sorry, scout. right? It's the scout <laughs> ship and then they crash the scout ship. Homie's yes. got no fortress. This in has the next nothing... movie, they kill off his alter ego too. Anyway, yes. this has so... nothing to do with Henry Cavill. We love you, man. But yeah, <laughs> just making that clear. <laughs> so, so that whole conversation, <laughs> that whole conversation with Lois and him, the way that Lois, when Lois comes back, right, and and tells Perry that she's killing the story, it also presents the fact that she doesn't only yeah. accept him for who he was, she understand why this decision weighs so much on him and she's willing to protect him so not only is there not right. a human attacking him it's a yeah. human finding out about his secret and protecting him so right. that you know changes and that a lot means a lot to him right yeah. and and then you go to the whole thing which to me is funny you jumped one scene mario because you mentioned that <laughs> when we see his farm boy roots his dad's gone so where does he go for counsel? He goes to church. Yeah. And, 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 but I like the fact that, um, again, 
as an honest man, again, another exemplary good man, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least, I don't know, maybe this is where his parents used to go in the past or he just knew because he grew up in Smallville, which by the way, I find it interesting that it's very possible that everybody in Smallville recognized him when they saw him in the suit. I feel like oh, that I was, was saying, the implication, yeah. right? That everybody yeah. in Smallville just knows it's like the worst kept secret. <laughs> Yeah, right. because even it, when the mom is talking to Martha, like we saw we saw what he did on the bus. We right. were there. He rattled off three other people. Yeah, Pete Ross did too, and the Fordham boy, and the mayor, I tell you. But like she started rattling off all these different families that were there. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty sure when Homeboy started flying around, they're like, oh, it's Clark. You know? Yeah. All the Smallville knows. He crashes yeah. into the high into the IHOP, and they just kind of look. You can like the, the extras just look at him for a second. It's like Hi, Clark. Nice new outfit. And then he flies out. So no more red blur. Um, so no. so wow, I'm glad no, that you just bring Smallville into the continuity. Damn. We have to. We have to. Um, so he has a conversation with the priest. And then the priest presents the idea like sometimes you have to have a leap of faith. Which, again, it all builds on the fact that he chooses to try. Goes back to and he doesn't he... up to that point. He doesn't trust humans to that point because of everything. So that that is a pivotal moment. He needs yeah. to have that leap of faith. Right. So so that's why I, I for, when when you go to the when you take the stance or at least when people take the stance of oh he just became Superman like that as like no it's there's there's a lot of gears going around in his mind to the point that he makes that decision especially with this iteration of the presentation of the character. So, which is why I respect it a lot and enjoy it. Um, Isaac, you said you found a lot. Wait, Juwan, you had something to say. Hopefully you didn't. Oh, it. no, no, no. I was just, I was just adding to what you guys are saying. I was saying part of what made his decision uh, so hard and his journey so hard is one thing we don't talk about enough is a lot of this, uh, you know, not on purpose, but a lot of the self-doubt his dad put on him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of made him kind of feel like, Will I ever make the right decision? Right? Like whatever yeah, I Yeah, like he saved the, the right lives decision? on the school bus. Yeah. And <laughs> right? Jonathan's like, well, maybe you should have let them drown. <laughs> well, if that yeah. wasn't clearly the right decision, then what is, Dad? I can't make that... any choices ever again. I saved a school bus of kids and I'm getting lectured. Not not just a school I'm bus leaving the his house classmates. He, like his friends are on that bus. Yeah. Somewhere in heaven, like, somewhere in heaven, his dad was looking like down. Them. His dad was <laughs> yeah. looking down at the city, like, shouldn't have saved them, man. You shouldn't have. Should've just let Zod do what he was done, man. Should have. No, but as he's, he's dying, <laughs> as he's dying in Batman versus Superman, one of the he gets a flashback and it's Jonathan going, "Told you, he's still stuck in wood. <laughs> shouldn't have bothered. I told you it was going to be a bad idea." You've been here a few months, and now you're dead. You had 33 (laughs) years. Fine. You tell people who you are, you're dead a few months later. One day changed everything. All it takes. Try to warn you, kid. This show feels like something that uh, how it should have ended would have implemented. I'm sick. Wow. No, but like, honestly, that's that's one of my biggest frustrations. Like, I feel like they laid it on really thick with, with Pa Kent. Like, that might have been a bit much, saying, yeah, maybe you should have let your classmates die. Uh, you know, Clark, don't, we're not going to just let the dog die. I'm going to get the dog and die in a tornado. That is, that, those are the moments where I'm like, this is why I feel like Clark is not a character in this movie, because, yes, 
it comes down to him having to finally make his own decision in the end. But like throughout the entire film, it's constantly other characters telling him what to do. And he just goes along with it. Like what would have the repercussions have been? It Okay. I see Brandon's gearing up to, to light in me. I understand. <laughs> but like that that's part of my issue is that we don't get into Clark's head and you can say he's, he's struggling internally with all of this like pressure but I want to see, I want to have him have a conversation with his mother about his father's death instead of just kind of glossing over that and why he's saving these men on that oil rig. And then he saves Lois. It's like, he's clearly, he, he just used heat vision to save Lois. He's clearly using his powers to help people in this like vigilante-esque way. So he kind of already did make that decision that, yeah, if people are in trouble, I'm not going to stop helping them. So it's kind of weird that we keep, having him question if he should do it when throughout the movie we make him do it (laughs) to be fair i kind of i kind of view that kind of like the moment right after order 66 right where you kind of like all jedi either dead or they're gone right a few jedi would step in and save people but they're not going to fully come out as a jedi right this is the worst possible time to do that i'll help you from the shadows but i'm not fully outing myself to make myself a target we, like for example, we see we see that with Obi Wan and Ahsoka, right? Mm-hmm. I want to hear Clark say why he's doing okay, it. Okay, okay, I, I, I won't argue that. Yeah, that's my problem with the film in general is that Clark doesn't feel like a character in his own movie. It feels like Lois Lane is the driving force of the story when the driving force of the story should be Cal El. Yeah. So here's why I got all excited. <laughs> oh. Um. What I like about the conversations within Jonathan, Ken, Joel, and all that stuff is because it all plays down to the whole nature against nurture thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and you have this overprotective but visionary nurturing John, Pa Kent mm-hmm. for whatever reason, right? Nurturing him to be this person that nurturing with the fear and the imminence of that whenever he declares himself to the world, right? It's going to change everything, good, bad, whatever it is, right? But but the one thing that's undeniable, which is, again, I think part of the point of all the flashbacks, is that Clark's nature is to do the right thing. It's built Except into him. It's about to die. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, about, it's, it's built into him. He can't not not do the right thing. And the choice is not whether or not he's going to save people. The choice is... Am I going to declare myself to the world that I exist? So it's not that he's going to stop helping people or like, because that's what he's been doing all this time. And you're right. So the choice really is, am I going to declare myself? Because you got to think, maybe he would have declared himself differently or in a different period of time, but it wasn't because of Zod reappearance, right? Um, like we've seen in different moments, like, for example, I go back to um, the adventures of Lewis and Clark, right? Um, the, the rocket scene or in the, in, the, in the premiere episode of that series, when Dean Kane makes the decision, his mom makes him the suit and he says, okay, I'm gonna do this. And he chooses to become Superman, right? Um, but the whole, and then you have, of course, Jonathan Kent doing all this, but one of the things that allows him to make that choice or it helps him choose to take the leap of faith also is that when he finally meets his biological father, he, all he does is something that Pa Kent didn't do. He tells you, 
you're here to inspire. You can be a force for good. You can be a guiding light. And it's funny because when we go back to Krypton, he was trying to be that for Krypton and everybody just denied him. But he couldn't be. So he's saying you have the opportunity to be hope, to be a symbol, which is something that he never viewed himself before because of how Pa Kent so, so you have that combined with his nature of doing the right thing and you get to the choice where he chooses to be Superman or chooses to out himself, you know? And so I don't think he will ever stop trying to save people. I think the whole choice thing is whether or not he's going to let everybody know that he exists. But this goes back to my issue of not understanding Clark as a person, right? Because you're saying it's in his nature. Why? If his parents throughout his entire life tell him one thing, why? And those are the conversations I think are more interesting than spending 20 minutes on Krypton. True. Having why? more time with him talking to his parents about it, instead of, son, you should do this. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. What, what? That's just kind of it, you know? I remember verbatim when, the, when I was leaving the theater the first time, I, I was saying, like, if they would have just shaved, like, 15 minutes off all the action at the end yeah. and thrown that into further character development, uh, I think we'd have, like, a perfect movie here. But, then, you know, I don't know if you would go that far, Mike, because it's like you liked a lot of it. But, yeah, but I, I'm with you. Like, yeah. shave off some of the action, put that time into developing our main character a little more, and voila. I, yeah. I, I just I, I took it more so as I, I think you guys are absolutely right, but I, I think my times watching it, I took it more so as like Clark is just this blank canvas that he's allowing everybody he encounters in life to paint for him. So like he's never really had a chance to kind of structure his own life. It's really everybody else, whether it was his birth parents, his adopted parents, Lois. We learned Batman later on. It just seems like everybody structured him. And that was the biggest flaw I think they had of the character is that at some point the guy has to just say, I am stronger than all of you. I make the yeah. decisions. <laughs> like, like, this is what, well, this is what I want to do. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and I think that's what we see once he puts on the suit. But yeah. all you, you all have valid points. Isaac, what do you got? Yeah. I was going to say the sort of like same thing because uh, it's uh, it, uh, sort of like... Uh, go, this movie is a lot about uh, focusing on the whole uh, how to raise uh, different views of how to raise a child, nature versus nurture, and they hammering in, hammering him, hammering him, which just makes him conflicted in uh, what he is supposed to do, which makes him, like Ron said, a blank state. And then uh, here comes the moment where he is, no, this is, uh, I need to do this, Kennedy. You could have explored it a little better. I can agree on that one, yeah. Uh, but I, I can. Uh, I think it's uh, clear to why, as to why, yeah, they ma made Clark as they did, because uh, this movie is all about what if a supernatural. Uh, I wouldn't say supernatural, but God, uh, essentially, what if a god, god like being? Yeah, in, yeah, and that's why. Uh, that's why it's a better way to sort of like putting a focus on Lois Lane since she is the one that essentially becomes uh, his first real contact uh, with the humankind outside of his uh, uh, adopted parents, Kennedy, because she, uh, her being the one that truly 
makes him going into the step of being super, uh, so truly Superman. Yes, he has been vigilantist, but he is going full Superman thanks to her, uh, her talking with him as a kind of deal. And I'm actually going to defend the maybe scene because of one reason. Paul Kent in this mo- uh, movie is extremely protective of uh, Clark. He is exceptionally that. And for him to say that uh, it was wrong, it, w- it would be... Uh, it, uh, it would sort of be like off, uh, off the characters kind of deal. And that's why also they, it made sense that he... he uh, he allowed himself to die about the tornado. He didn't want to risk uh, Clark to reveal himself. Uh, don't take any chances whatsoever. So, Matt, he knew that, uh, but at the same time, he knew why uh, Clark saved those kids, and he would probably done this. I wouldn't even so far say that he would probably done the same thing if he were in his scenario, for what we know. That's why he's so conflicted and saying maybe because he don't want his son to uh, get exposed, but uh, he can uh, he he won't uh, he don't feel uh, see it and it's a bad thing to say people kind of does that make any sense? No, yeah, I mean it, it does, but I think like I love that scene of the sacrifice, but where I think as a writer you kind of made that whole thing confusing is that not only did you take his you know, ability to make his own decisions away. I think you never really thought about what would what that would do to him, the fact that he has to live with that, right? Like, he has to live with losing you and knowing that he could have saved you very easily. Or right? let the dog die. I'm sorry. I have a dog. I love Bailey. <laughs> but if it comes down to it between her and my dad, I'm choosing my dad, you know? Yeah, I'm with somewhere, him. Somewhere that dog is just like, oh, all right. That's why before Brandon was like, <laughs> Brandon, b- b- before Brandon was like, oh yeah, he can't help himself. He always has to help and save people. And I'm like, unless it's his dad. He's waving. I'm ignoring that. I'm ignoring that. I'm flying right through there. I'm sorry. That's why that scene doesn't work for me. Like we could have come up with a better way well, to communicate that idea, but it's like really. But then there's a the sense thing, of I, trust that he has. I. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't trust my dad enough to just let him die. I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> right, though. You never thought about the PTSD of that situation. Right, right. Too. That's right. really why he doesn't become Superman after that. It's like, I, in, in my notes here, it's like, does Clark not become Superman because he's listening to his father? Or is he, like, doing it as a way to honor him in a way? It's like, his dying wish for, was for me to not do this thing. So clearly I can never well, that, be Well, that's Superman. the thing. That's not the wish, though. The wish is to hold on until the right moment. Until, until he was ready. ready. Until you know. Can, until I, he... can I say something, Brandon? I, I, yeah. I think what would have been a, a better journey is if he had to realize at some point it's time to stop listening to Dad, right? And start to kind yeah. of carve out my own. Because they let that even go into BVS of him still listening to his dad that charted him on a course that maybe lost a lot of lives because he did not make the decision. Obviously, he wanted to, which yeah. was be a hero. You know? That, so I thought that would have been a better journey was for him to finally face his dad and say, let him thank you for everything, person. but yeah. yeah, I'm my own man now. I'm 40 at this fucking point, right? Like, <laughs> I, I enjoy Batman v Superman, but yes, I agree that they should have uh, 
stopped with that part in that movie. It's 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 hard. For... Shouldn't have happened in that movie, <laughs> including that movie. Well, I'd be invited back when we when you guys do the chatter after for BBS because there will be a lot to say there. Yes, yes, yes. We've got it. It's their 85th anniversary next year. We've got to do Batman versus Superman, right? Come on, yeah. <laughs> it needs to happen. The ultimate um, edition, and please, because the theatrical is not that it good. It makes no difference. They're both. Uh, yeah, it makes more. It makes more. Uh, so it, about Man of Steel. About Man uh, of yeah. Steel. Yes. So. I, I'm glad that we all have very different takes on this because, again, this is one of the biggest things that occurred at the movie's release, right? It was very divisive. I feel like I'm poisoning the well because everybody started saying that they enjoyed this movie. No, no, no. Slowly the conversation is getting soured and I, No, no. I, I am convinced I that this it. film is great. And <laughs> I, still it, it, it hits. I, I, I still loving it. Yeah. I, Listen, I, I, I think it's right great now. with its issues, but yes. 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 It's flawed. Yeah. No arguments there. <laughs> but you know what's not flawed? Superman two. The first flight sequence. Yes. What? Yes. That is one of the most beautiful, inspiring, well scored superhero sequences I've ever seen in my life. And what I love about it is not just it's not just the Jorel narration right that builds up the scene but it's the fact that for the first time in his whole life this is the first time that we see clark having fun with who he is and what he can do right um again the fact that he's smiling as he's flying across the world and shifting the sonic booms the water you know, he's going through different landscapes. It's just great. But also the build up to that where he's, you know, he's trying, you're hearing the thing, right? When he actually falls and fails, and then you have the, narr the narration, they will stumble and they will fall. But again, in my head, I'm like, just like you did just now, mm -hmm. which goes back to the human side of Clark, right? Mm -hmm. But eventually they'll meet with you in the sun. Which is like, hey, we recognize that humans are flawed. We recognize that you may see yourself superior to them or you, you can do things better than them. But the idea is that you can be an inspiration. And hopefully most of them will meet you in the sun, which is what I liked what you mentioned about Mario. What you mentioned, Mario, is the idea that little by little, he, he opens the eyes of a lot of humans around him. They kind of start to see that, okay, like his light is shining on them. And... Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, it, and it grows and grows. So you can see a little bit of all those little pieces, which is one of the best things of the film, because it, it's it, it's like it's like those are those are the few scenes or the few through lines in the film where the where the movie fulfills the promise that it makes in the beginning. Right. Or fulfills the promise that that it was presented for the character. Um, when you guys saw that first sequence for the first time, um, how did you feel? Mike. <laughs> Isaac, what do you think? He'll tell you in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a joke that the audience will understand. You have, yeah, yeah, good one. <laughs> but no. Five minutes. This, uh, 
it's it's a great scene. It, it's one of those things where I feel like it's a moment that should have already happened though for Clark's journey because it's like is he just now realizing he can fly? Is that what's happening really here? Or is this him just now embracing being Superman? Like, how do you interpret that scene? Because I that feel is like first flight. Yeah, that's the that's, first flight. Well, there's of, no Superman yet. Remember, he has he doesn't have the name. That's He's given got the to suit, him. Though doesn't have a suit. <laughs> he has a suit, not the Superman suit. Remember, that's the reg. That's the royal attire or of the House of L. Right. Everybody has a suit like that. It just we know it as a Superman suit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the scene's fine. Move on. Somebody else go. <laughs> Uh, I, I when I saw that I thought this is why Snyder was hired and thank you know I, I was grateful in that moment you know because I'm like since he could get the visuals he could make it look grandiose and mythic and like a you know like, you know just rip it from the page and make it look you know unbelievable so I remember like seeing that seeing how good it looked and kind of strapping myself in for the fact that like Superman movies are going to look great from now on. You know, I grew up on the Reeve things and oh. with the effects being kind of antiquated, you know, and even in Superman Returns, I thought the flying looked kind of bogus and there was a lot of CG Brandon and not a lot of good wire work. And I just, in general, I was very let down by the flying in Superman Returns. So looking at first flight, I'm like, Oh no, what they can do nowadays with Superman we're going to have like some visual feasts in this and in the sequels. So I was just kind of taking it all in what we can do nowadays back then, nine years ago, <laughs> Isaac. I mean, it's in, what makes this scene good in, or should I say even great in my book is two thing. The whole, uh, although I think it's great in general is the whole, they will join in the sun because it's a bit symbolic about him failing and then going and then manage to fly with uh, without the issues. But also the score and I think Hans Zimmer nailed it uh, nailed it with that one. It's I cannot uh, it's a so it's a theme for. Today, super uh, for a modern day Superman, I dare argue, it uh, tries to be its own thing and without uh, being too scared to uh, sort of like how we talked about earlier emulate uh, the Donner movies because a lot of other movies would easily kind of like how should I put it? Oh, I'm just yeah, constantly using this here also, but I digress. <laughs> but. Uh, and uh, it's the whole reaction through him. What uh, as a, I would honestly say that this is probably my favorite scene in the movie, uh, actually. Nice. Nice. That, uh, or at least one of the mo mo my fa uh, favorite. So yeah. I, I just want to jump back in right quick. The line that Jarrell says, right? You'll give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. And I think that perfectly captures everything Superman is supposed to be, right? But again, it just kind of harkens back to my my main issue of why. Why does this Clark, why will he give the people on Earth an ideal to strive towards? Because he does, I don't know who he is. And clearly he doesn't know who he is. So that's a that's kind of just a weird thing to say about this version of Superman where 
I'm wondering like, okay, why do I want to be like this guy? Why should people follow this guy's lead? I kind of wish, again, we spent more time developing Clark as a person and no, understanding his personality. And like, he does want to help people. He is a good, like you can even, there's a moment in this film on Smallville. He has like a Kansas City Royals shirt. Tell him that he's the leader of his baseball team or something. Like, give me an idea on why people should follow this guy's lead. That's my takeaway from that scene where it's like, that's a great line for Superman. I don't know if that's a great line for this interpretation of Superman at this point in the story is where I was coming from. Interesting. Yeah, it seems to be more just like a destiny thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, you are fated to do this. But I, I see what you mean, though, that like we haven't really been shown a Clark that seems to have this great ability to inspire others and bring yeah. hope to others. Maybe had there been like a scene or something prior to that where we can see, like, oh, you know what? He's a real like he's a leader of man. He may be keeping a quiet, but he instills confidence and hope and, and faith and love in those around him. So, yeah, of course, one day if he could ever broadcast that on a larger scale, he's right. going to inspire the world. But up until now, we've just seen him do a bunch of cool stuff and then go hiding afterward. So I, I kind of see what you mean. Yeah. I, I just took it more so as like those parents that tell their kids they could be a president and it's like... <laughs> you could be oh, okay, it. <laughs> Right. Like, no, your kid can't, but all right. I whatever, love I the idea. That's amazing. <laughs> the idea that Jorel is just gassing his head up because that's his son. And he doesn't. So uh, when like, it's well, over, he's like, "Yeah." When it's over, he looks at Laura. I don't know. What, what, yeah. what am I going to tell him? No, you're going to be a loser. <laughs> the world's like, going to die like the rest of us. I didn't know what else to say. I thought it sounded cool. I don't know. The billionaire, <laughs> the billionaire nut down the street is going to kill you. Is going to try and kill you. And the second nut down <laughs> in the other city is going to try and kill you. That's what's going to happen. But see, wow, this is my, why people tell people oh, you can't just tell your kids goodness. they can be anything. You got to be yeah. honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the flight scene for me was really cool. To me, I, that's what I always look forward to in superhero movies, those oh shit moments where I feel like, ah, now's the time. They know who they are. That was that was that for me, you know. That was that for yeah. me. So I thought I, it was dope. I like the touch of the anti, like the anti-gravity, right? Where you see the, the dust start to rise before yeah. it takes awesome. off and it's like that's awesome. That's a very cool way to reinterpret the power of flight for Superman. It's really dope. It is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So, moving on with the film, um, let's talk about the fight in Smallville. And I think we're—I think with those are the kind of things we can move past on towards the end, um, because not a lot of story happens. It's just action throughout, pretty much. Um, Mike, calm down. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just like the last 45 minutes is nothing but an action scene, man. I, I get it. Now, so this should be the quickest part we discuss, it, right? It, Probably, I like right? the part where he punched him. That was cool. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, those that know of Superman and know of the mythology know that um, Krypton has a very particular uh, martial arts style. And um, did you guys notice that how not only because she's a warrior, but when whatever her name is, Feora. Feora. Yeah, like Henry couldn't really put a hand on her because he was just a superior martial artist, <laughs> not just because of the raw power. And well, actually, remember, they're the warriors of Krypton, right? So right. He, he shouldn't have been close to anybody here. <laughs> True. But then you go back to the to the Krypton scene, yeah. and you can see that it's very possible that Jor-El, apart from the fact that he was Cinderella Man, 
Um, <laughs> Jor-El probably knows that martial arts too. And do you guys want to see that in the future? The fact that it's not just Superman just throwing punches, but that he actually was able to learn the fighting style of Krypton? No, because that's what I love separates him from everybody else in the Justice League. Like Wonder Woman is a trained fighter. Batman is a trained fighter. I like the idea that Superman is just like, I will punch you so hard, your head will explode. Like, that's really all I got. I don't really have anything else. Like, you can't be a skilled fighter and freeze breath and laser beams and fly so fast you can <laughs> change time. Like, you can't have all these abilities. He's got to have some <laughs> limit, yeah. But he's also got a black belt. That's what we do here. Or else you become Goku. <laughs> from Dragon. We ever need a Justice League if he could do all these things. Like, come we just on, need Brandon, him. Does it? Yeah, come on. Yeah. Come or on. else, he, like, like I said, like you become Sengoku. No, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the idea of Superman being able to throw hands. <laughs> Only when he's fighting like Dark Side or something. Like that's that's the thing. Like once you give introduce an extra skill, I don't think martial arts really matters that much anymore. Because if one punch, he's knocking most people out anyway. But now if he's now he's actually has to square up and fight somebody on his level. I'm I'm kind of okay with that. That's not a big deal, especially if he is friends with with Diana and Bruce. Probably should teach him a couple moves, even if it's not like the Kryptonian fighting title. I don't know how comfortable I am seeing Batman use. I'm not Batman. I'm sorry. Superman uses legs. Like if he's kicking motherfuckers, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> like... Now, now, now. Let me let me change the argument a little bit. Here's why I like the whole. If they go towards that, because not only that, because Jor-El wasn't just throwing punches. He was doing grapples and stuff and a bunch of other stuff. Now, see, that's was... the thing that scares me. Can you imagine getting grappled by Superman? <laughs> <laughs> try to tap out. Just try to tap out. Whee! I'm out of here. Now, 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 the reason I bring this up is because, for example, one of the best examples of knowing how to fight was the opening scene in Avengers Infinity War when Thanos kicks Hulk's ass. You got two very superpowered beings. Hulk could probably punch Thanos and knock him out, but because Thanos understood how to fight, he was able to take the beast down, right? To the point that he was so scared that Bruce Banner was stuck in the iron bulk Hulkbuster armor, but that which yeah. So and everybody was lied to in the trailers. So um I like the idea because when you think about it, if Kara is older, what if she knows how to do it? And one of the things that's always been shown about Kara in the comics is that Kara is kind of stronger than Kal-El or can be. And maybe that's one of the reasons she can have something up on Henry. Like Henry's the experienced, Kal-El is the experienced one. So he mentors, but then you have Supergirl with all this additional skill. I don't, I don't know. I, I, like in her well, alter ego, she's running a Cobra Kai. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. She's with Ralph Terry Macchio. Terry Silver, man. Terry uh, well, Silver. Well, I'll say this. If, if Kara <laughs> can utilize different fighting techniques, I'm fine with that because what it can do is an audience that's not familiar with Superman and Supergirl, that gives them a better uh, insight on how different the two of them are. Right. Yeah. So it's like she could do different things like, you know, fighting, actual fighting, not just throwing a fist. But to right. me, it's again, I can never picture Superman using his legs. <laughs> like, like, I just, you're, you're I can't, man. Dude. I can't. His legs is <laughs> it's just a weird line to draw, man. 
It, it's just so weird to me. I agree me. with it's it. so weird. It's unnatural. <laughs> if, if, if his it's knee weird. goes to a night or like a 90 degree angle, what is he doing? Why? That's what I'm saying. Like, wait, what? Like, come so, on, man. I don't know. This is weird to me. It's weird. I've, I've got a question. <laughs> I've got a question. Uh, You're welcome. Guys think- <laughs> yeah, thanks for screwing this up in the edit, Isaac. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, but I've got a question for you guys. Have you seen the movie, the animated movie, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse? Yes. So good. Yes. Yeah. So good. Do we want to just do that with Kara and have her train with Wonder Woman in Themyscira instead of her like knowing the Kryptonian martial arts? She just learns how to fight like an Amazon. I'm sure. good with that. I'm good with sure. that. Sure. But Even I just, though want, it was very I just want more Kryptonian lore. It was very confusing in that animated movie because when she ended up fighting Clark at the end, she was just using her hands. Like there were no actual fighting moves utilized. So it's like, well, did you forget what you learned, or were we supposed to not actually pay attention to that? It had to happen for the narrative, Jawan. For the narrative. As long as we can stay even kill on that on that phrase (laughs) when it comes to this movie, Mike, I'm fine. I'm with you. I I can agree. Um, But yeah, no, like I said. Superman kicking. <laughs> the kicks. So, <laughs> so I can't. Even, my brain can't even imagine it now. Like I'm just trying to imagine. <laughs> right. Kicks actually, it's just like there it's not is confused. one kick. There is one <laughs> kick committed to celluloid and hideous. When Superman, I think it's in Superman four. At some point on the moon, he does this like slow motion awkward. And, and, and he kicks him and nuclear man floats away gently but like it's awkward because like he doesn't raise his leg it's like his leg was bent and he just straightened it you know and uh anyway it was Superman for man of steel too baby look i'll accept it if you tell me his one kick is the sweet chin music i'll accept it then because then that's like yeah that's cinema so but if it's not that yes. i don't want it so, so if he, does, does he have to do the thing also? Like, yes, yes, he has to go full Shawn Michaels. Yes, yes, yes. Jeez. <laughs> dur, 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 dur. Uh, so, now, I like the scene in Smallville. Um, I think oh, the yeah, more important. Yeah, that's where we're. <laughs> I'm trying to steer the ship. My IHOP. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And Sears. Um, and Seven Eleven. <laughs> Nice to know that Smallville has all the big stories and restaurants, right? Right. You know, I love the fact that Martha Kent works at Sears. I I found that very particular. Um, So. (laughs) I mean, she Sears through the movie, so. Now, I was a little disappointed. Well, I do find a little disappointing. This is the one thing. It's not a big thing, but the only thing that I found disappointing of the whole Smallville fight sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one, you can't that he didn't frighten my mother. Oh. You can't frighten my yeah. mother. Like, that was a bit much. But the fact that we didn't get the promotional still in his battle with Feora. If you guys remember, the first still that we ever got of Henry Cavill Superman was oh, him Superman. Vault? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get a glimpse of it in the mode, but I would have loved just seeing that as part of the sequence. Because that's still, boy, that's still. That was just great. Do you remember when that came out, Mario? Still, it's yeah, great. no, 
the first official look was uh, quite a thing. And I remember everyone having to try to analyze because it was so shrouded in darkness in his midsection that people were like, I think I see red. I think he's got underwear. Like, I remember this is the kind of stuff that we would argue about on Superman <laughs> message board. What is it? Do you what is see it blue the red tights? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you see the red shorts? I think it's there. No, no. See, it's slightly, it's a I slightly love different dark. Those conversations were great because then you'd have people who, like increase the brightness on the photo, be like right there, and it's like there's nothing there. Those are the fun times. Fun times. Is he naked? Uh, <laughs> so uh, Superman fans have been starving for like three decades now. It's yes, now. yes, we have, <laughs> and now we're finally about to eat well. Finally, now about time. <laughs> there's a bunch of action. They got this crazy. By the way. Those that don't know, the final act with the terraforming, or at least the the ship design, yeah. it comes right off the pages of the first book of Earth One. So if you guys want to read Superman Earth One, that's where that ship comes from, and that whole sequence of destroying Metropolis. Link now, in the description. Yeah, um, I have a question, um, and I, which I think is the more pertinent point of discussion, especially towards the final act of the movie. By the time we get to the sod battle. Because I get, I and this is something that I was just thinking. Every time I watch the film, because it was such a huge point of controversy, it's like, no, he didn't save anybody. He didn't appear that he cared about the destruction and, and all that, which I do agree. And I might sound heartless with what I'm about to say, but I, when I got to that scene this time and I see the desolate center of Metropolis right after the Phantom zone singularity occurs and the entire ship goes into nothingness everything's desolate or at least in that section and then the battle starts you have two gods fighting right did did did, did Kal-El really have a chance to take the fight elsewhere nope with all the destruction that was already there nope <clears throat> yes he did oh. at some point. <laughs> we no. went from Smallville into Metropolis. They were in outer like, space yeah. for a little was... while. They could have ended up someplace else after space, you know, like anywhere else on Earth. True, true. Now, he Zod was the one that took him back down to Metropolis, and then he was able to turn him back. So, so the fight, because at this point, remember, Zod started the fight, and he was mostly in control throughout the whole thing. So he's just trying to dodge this guy. And yes, I do see that he was, I do see all the, all the arguments of lack of care are completely valid. The whole jumping over the LexCorp truck, the explosion, all the cars falling down. There's probably a lot of people there and maybe another dog, um, or no, the dog survives because all the dogs survive in this movie. Um, <laughs> are all the dogs from Krypton? He's like, is that, are, they, are they all just like a bunch of cryptos on, on earth? Is that why they are invincible? Probably. <laughs> probably but he's trying to stop this monster and but he's not giving a chance to breathe to do anything else so he's being overpowered consistently and he's trying to take back the fight mm -hmm. so did he really have the opportunity to have a conversation let's take like what he did with so, nuclear man in superman 4 because i think that was a conversation right or did they actually end up in the moon i don't remember I don't remember how they ended up on the we, moon. We choose not to remember <laughs> Superman 4, so it's totally understandable. Um, but I feel like a lot of that, like, you're not necessarily wrong, Brandon, but also that just comes from what 
were Goyer and Snyder trying to accomplish here, right? Because you could have just written a fight where that doesn't happen and he's not put in that situation type of type of thing. Cause like, cause like you you get to the point where it's like, okay, this was technically what every fight Superman's end would ever look like, right? Unless he does learn martial arts and he's able to like <laughs> overpower Zod. So it's like you didn't necessarily have to frame it or write it that way. And for me, I'm kind of sitting here like the entire point of this entire movie, you're denying me the thing I paid to see. I want to see Superman be Superman. And I get it's an origin story and you want to build to that point. But you get to the end of this fight and you're like, well, Paul was right. As soon as as soon as soon Zod found out Clark was here and the world found out about Superman, look what happened to Metropolis. And so it, like, it doesn't justify the idea of becoming Superman. So, well, like, I'm glad you said that, though. Hang on. Let's analyze that, Mike. Because yeah. what is Superman being Superman? Is it Superman beating up a villain? Or is no. it Superman no. saving people? What makes Superman Superman? Well, that's why I think there could have been a balance. But to me, I well, thought no it was no important. That last act. Well, no, 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 no. I, 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 no I'm saying the, the scenario. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. To, to Mike's point, I think you could have found yeah. a balance. But to me, if you left out the idea of destruction, I wouldn't have liked it because the guy just had his first ever fight. Right. So it's like the idea that he's being thrown through buildings and can't necessarily control uh, a lot of what's happening right away. I buy, but I also would have liked somewhere in those fights where Zod's like laser beaming a building. You see Superman tried his best to like fly through and get everybody out. Like you could have done a balance of that. Yeah. But to, to say what, that he you had you his never, first big fight and there's no destruction. But we, we don't get but we don't get one close up of Superman in the third act where he seems to be even be like looking around at what the hell oh, is no, going you're on right. and noticing yeah, no, you're right. that there's True. pedestrians and that there's people. Like, think about it. In the you can't threaten my mother thing that Brandon just brought up, he spears Zod like through a building, through like a train, and through a gas station that explodes. Right in that moment, he could have killed a few people. And that would have been on Clark. He's the one who speared Zod. And yeah. like coming straight out of that, as he comes, as he gets up, you have him look around and realize, oh crap, we're on Main Street. I gotta, I gotta figure out like how to do that again. But you never right. see that thought process. You never see him take in the fact that, oh, you know, this thing I just did might have just killed Farmer Joe. You know, like yeah, it never I, seems I to occur right. to him ever. That that's act. why to me, like as a character, Superman is interesting, right? Because he, like like he said, Mara, his job isn't necessarily to beat up the bad guys. That's what I read mm -hmm. and watch Batman for. Superman yeah. is the beacon of to help, the person to help people. save people. Right. And save I think all. of like the first Spider-Man movie, right? Where the civilians get behind Spider-Man. Yeah. So you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. It's like, yes. that's the type of energy I want from a Superman story where he's doing his best to stop collateral damage. And yep. it can, I, I, I agree, Juwan, it still will happen. Saad is a better fighter than him. And I even love and that that'll moment. force his hand for why he has to kill Zod. It all it would right. work better like that. Right, exactly. No, I, I completely agree. That's why I'm saying that they could have found a way to better balance it. But as we saw where this story progressed, that was a cognitive decision to make Superman inflict all of that chaos. Right? So it kind of ensues this idea of are you here to help us or are you here to harm us? And as, as though he may feel as though, well, clearly I'm here to help you. They're like, well, 
I just lost my entire family in that building you brought down yesterday. Yeah. So I'm like, it was clearly their narrative going forward. But again, it was from a writer I solely believe wanted to do a Batman movie that ended up doing a Superman movie and really did not have the full grasp on what he wanted Superman yeah. to be. It, it's and one the, of those... The, the, Sorry, I am just just real quick because the unintended consequence of that conflict that you're mentioning, Juwan, mm -hmm. the people within that world who are going to see him as a savior and the people are going to see him as the reason that all this happened. Uh, the unintended consequence was that that bled over into real life. You know, people were very divisive <laughs> right. on the film. Right. Some people right. saw the genuine hero in there who was trying his best on his first day of, at the office. And other mm -hmm. people saw this guy really, really was really kind of reckless and not trying his best and not saving lives and was kind of rash and dumb at times. You know, so right. it's like it's one thing to create that conversation within the world of the movie. But it ended up in his execution of the story. It ended up creating that after the fact in you know amongst the audiences, and that became a problem for the movie. It, it becomes, and I know I've said this a million times already, not having that connection to Clark and understanding his connection to humanity, right? Because if mm -hmm. he, he he makes the statement, Krypton had its chance, and even in BBS he says, "This is my world," right? And it's like I mm -hmm. never really grasp that and this kind of leads into that idea of he doesn't really make much attempt to save Smallville from that destruction or save Metropolis from that destruction whereas if we planted those seeds earlier in the story if we see him trying and failing I at least can understand that but we don't even see that happen here which no, makes the movie again in parts it's brilliant in scenes it's brilliant but as a whole nothing ever comes together for me Isaac, your thoughts on the whole debacle? I mean, uh, I don't really know how, where to put in because it, uh, if I were to listen to this podcast instead of being in the, in the recording, I might as well have prepared a popcorn uh, bag before or listening to it if I knew the context of it. But I'm with the genre or something like uh, not in all this because. Uh, sort of like how I talked with uh, about uh, Pa Kent uh, being uh, off character if he hadn't said that maybe line it would have felt weird if there was, wouldn't be any destruction uh, throughout the, uh, the third act against <laughs> Thor because what? No, it's for, the, for the audience Mario for the audio-only listeners listening on their on the Spotify, Mario just had Superman kicking across the across the screen, and, <laughs> and it's the creepiest thing ever. It, no, <laughs> Superman can't kick. We, we got it. We can't kick. And the craziest thing, he's oh like he, he's kind of doing the Liu Kang. Exactly. <laughs> 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 And he did it again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, keep going. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and I was just listening, uh, watching it on the on my window, so I didn't watch the screen. That's why I reacted the way I did. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. and uh, it would be off, uh, sort of like off character if there weren't any destruction in terms of the fight against Sod, because there are th these are two gods fighting each other where 
One of them doesn't really care what happens to Earth. He wants to destroy it all, so of course he's going to cause mass uh, mass destruction kind of deal. But uh, here comes the deal of uh, people, uh, like you said, wanting uh, felt that there were need of more scenes of him saving people, which I can totally understand. But at the same time, you can make an argument of he's new at the job, he he doesn't know his powers 100%, so he uh, is doing mentally. I'm focusing all, uh, all on him because I don't know uh, how to handle uh, seven stuff at the same time kind of deal, considering this is not uh, 10 years in the war, uh, in the job Superman kind of deal. Then uh, I would get... Uh, then it would be extremely questionable why he d uh, doesn't save the civilians uh, on top of the whole destruction. So, but also, as sort of like a side note, I don't know if you guys uh, have noticed that one, at the, which always gi uh, gives me a shuckle, but it is prior, it's when uh, Sod is. Uh, Doing its whole uh, Sengoku thing and uh, losing uh, his armor and uh, becomes faster. You see him uh, fly, uh, you see him uh, crashing on the days, uh, X days be uh, of, before yeah. prior accident, and uh, it um, re removes from that one uh, when it got hit by it, and it caused, yeah, an an another day. Uh, uh, a new uh, accident again, so it uh, resetted that clock, which almost, almost always uh, makes me chuckle. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna say yes, Isaac. Did you guys catch that? Like when they go to the, the days construction without zone. incident. Yeah, yeah. Crash the sign. Yeah, and it goes yeah. It has like a hundred and something, and then it ends at zero. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. The it's probably the movie commenting, commentating on itself. And Superman, you're having a bad day at work. You're not doing your job. <laughs> <laughs> you're not preventing accidents. Um, all of you guys, they're all valid points because, and and and, and one of the things that I enjoy, and I'm gonna go back to the fanboy podcast. I don't know, Mara, you're here, right? But one of the biggest arguments that I find the most legitimate, right, is that. The year before Man of Steel, we saw the Avengers evacuate and save the people of New York. And none of them are Superman. Did they? Yes. Oh, yeah. There's, There's a lot scenes. of Yeah, in, in that third act, you see the cops working and you see the heroes working. Oh, with the cops okay. Cap okay. even okay. says, hey, okay. evacuate you know this I mean? building, do this and that. Right, then, right. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the center focus was we got to evacuate Saving and save people. as many people as we can while you we hear the figure out. Talking about it too. Yeah, trying to limit the damage. On. We have to keep the Chitauri to just within there this like, range. And there was like seven of them and all of New York's cops. There's a lot of people to help yeah. out. Yeah, clearing True. that. Stuff. I don't know, but yeah, none yeah, of them are Superman. Superman. I would but say seven Avengers don't equal Superman. <laughs> Two not of only... them do. Come on, Mike. Be fair. Hulk and Thor. No. Come on. But no. here's yes. the point. Now, Superman this... knocked out Hulk in a comic book once, man. Like one shot. Dude, we it. don't remember that. What are you talking about? No now, we do not acknowledge <laughs> that. Now, <laughs> to the point. To the point here. I, I'm gonna yes. make a clear statement here. I love the finale just because of the emotion 
between Cavill and between I see saying Cavill between Superman and Zod. Basically, and, it's Cavill. There's no Superman here, but I, go on. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I, <laughs> damn, <laughs> nail in the coffin. Um, but I do I do like the whole sequence because to me, I was not I would never expected to see such a visually stunning Superman fight in flight. You know what I mean? Like the whole flight fight sequence is just phenomenal. Like one of my favorite takes is there's just one take where they're going through buildings after he punches three times Zod. He stops and the whole camera goes around him. You guys remember the scene? Yeah. And you can mm-hmm. see the buildings and then Zod just catches up. Like visually it's just stunning. So I fall in love yeah. with that. But that's I can great... sorry. I was gonna say that's a great, a great way to frame it right because yeah so much of, of superhero movies in hollywood they frame super speed in slow motion and i kind of hate it and it's like no we're just letting the fast guys be fast and the camera's right. trying to keep up with them which i thought was a really yes. cool way which again filming. goes back to the cinematography and um section direction yeah. from the beginning of the krypton scene i keep going back um mm-hmm. that whole zoom in and zoom in again that he does constantly through the film yeah in different scenes I like how that plays into the whole zoom in feature and power that Clark has of being able to see things a lot closer than what they are. So I like how it plays into the story and it plays into mm-hmm. our vision. Like they're like he's trying to frame it where we can see how he sees as opposed to how everybody else is seeing this, right? It's a nice mm-hmm. mixture and touch. But I can't deny that it is a scene that's very problematic. Sequence is very problematic because it does brings all these issues and creates all these arguments. Now it is the last bit of the film because, of course, we all knew he was going to end up in the Daily Planet. I do enjoy that presentation when he goes in, that whole conversation with his mother about, well, I got to find a job mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where I can keep my ear to the ground and nobody will question when I get into trouble. Like, that whole thing is awesome. But I think from this whole debacle in the third act and into that scene, let's talk about the future. Henry Cavill's back. Yes. And of course, Superman is back. The Superman that I've grown to love. Um, we never got a chance to really see Clark be Clark in a lot of instances, in valid ways that Mike has surely pointed out multiple times throughout this pod. Oh, not, I just have one more thing. How does he get to work at one of the biggest newspaper companies in the world without going to school for journalism? Lois we Lane, don't know that he didn't. Well, Lois you know, put in good word, bro. Well, yeah, well, no, that's so obvious. Well, well that's yeah. not uh, as somebody there's who is a writer. That is not how that works. I'm sorry. Right? Oh no, not how it works. But no, that's Mike, exactly what they did. No, but then, and I'm glad that Mike brought up. He actually brings a very good point because a lot of the basis literature that we have of Clark Kent, um, he does go to school for generalism or he works as a writer or a freelancer for a lot of different places around the world because you either have to have a body of work or you have to have studies in journalism to become a journalist. So, so these are things that we can introduce also in the sequel. Half the city just went to shit. So the likelihood of people wanting to stay in that city. (laughs) That was his motivation. You just lost like 40 writers. No, you know, Mark just walked in and was like, I don't mind working here. And they're like, all right, you're hired. That's a flashback I would have just liked to see is Clark in college. Agreed. 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 Now I'm done. Let's move forward. No, no. But the good thing is that 
taking taking a lot of the foundation stones yes. that we find in Man of Steel, we know for a fact because Henry Cavill's back, because that's still that we got from him when he made the official announcement himself, we know that the Man of Steel suit is coming back. So that means there's a lot of the the seeds of Man of Steel are going to be present. We don't know if other actors are coming back. Um, it's very possible that some of them will be recast. Maybe they bring everybody else back. We don't know. But we know that this is going to be an evolution or the next step for the Clark and Superman that were presented. But of course, with a clear new direction, right? Um, do we need to address? Well, let's see. I'm going to make it simpler. Let's talk about what we want to see in the future. I'm going to start with Mike. <laughs> That's a hard question because I have no idea what this universe looks like after the Flash, right? We don't know what the landscape of the DC universe is going to be. Um, it like, do we retcon BBS in a way to where Clark Kent doesn't die, right? Because they have it in the newspaper that Clark Kent is dead. So that that throws the whole Daily Planet secret identity thing kind of out the window. So they have it on a newspaper. Yeah, it says yeah, in memoriam. Clark Kent. Oh, I missed BBS. It. They killed Clark Kent. In BBS, okay. they killed two of my favorite characters. We just see like a tombstone with Dick Grayson's name on it in the background, and then Clark gets buried at the end of this movie twice, technically. So yeah, fair. It was not a fun time for me. <laughs> but um, assuming we kind of retcon that a little bit, I'd like to see a season Superman. I want I want a Superman that's been doing this for a while and maybe introduce somebody like Brainiac, right? Somebody, or you can even tell a more personal story because all of these films that Cavill's been in, it's always felt like it were about someone else. Man of Steel feels like it's really about Lois, Zod, Jor-El. BBS felt like it was about Batman. Justice League, again, he kind of felt like a plot device again because most of the movie, it was basically, we have to get Superman to help us with this thing. So right. I'd like to tell a very personal story about Clark. And I think introducing Kara would be a really good way to do it. He can kind of, she essentially fills that Robin type role, right? Where he's training her and imparting his knowledge into her. And then something like Brainiac attacks, for example. And like Brainiac is a threat that I think can harken back to Krypton. Like that's something he and Jarrell can even discuss about how Brainiac was from Krypton. And like that spurs a really personal journey between him and Kara fighting one of the last remnants from Krypton, for example, I think would be kind of a fun idea. More color, turn the color back on. His suit looked great in Black Adam. It was too gray in Man of Steel. So just turn the, the saturation up a bit. That's all I ask. And keep the score. I don't need the John Williams theme here. Don't do that again. Let him have his Man of Steel score. <laughs> so a comment to your, if you guys have any comments on the mic thing, unless we all want to go, but I have a question for you, Mike. Yeah. Do you want Kara in the sequel, or do you want him to cameo in Kara's movie? Uh, is Kara's movie still happening? That's, again, the question. <laughs> fair, fair. So, any way I can get it, I, you know, because okay. Okay. we don't know what happens after Flash. That's, do you just want to see mentor Superman? I just, I don't even need to see that necessarily. I just want to see Superman be Superman. And I feel like mentoring cool. someone is one of the best ways... Because we see that in the comics, what he did with John for like half a decade, right? His son. That, I think, is a very good role for him. And people can stop saying Superman's overpowered and boring. And he can fix every problem by yep. just existing. Which yep. isn't true, but that might make people calm down a bit. Usually. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not Batman fan. 
Why are you here? <laughs> Who invited you? <laughs> so, so Isaac, um, what do you want to see Cavill bring to the table now as he's back on Superman in the future? Well, first off, uh, I'm 100% with Mike. It's a bit hard uh, to be 100% sure considering we don't know how it's going to look with, uh, with Flash moving forward or, well, if they're even going to release Flash at this point. But uh, will, that's a don't one. worry. Uh, but I would like to see more grounded stuff, actually. And not... We have uh, the big doomsday. We have uh, had uh, Stephen Wolf turn it back a notch. You, you can have your, your big, your, your big uh, sort of like a f uh, fighter that can put up a fight, but make it uh, sort of like take uh, metal or para oh. a metal <laughs> or parasite or yeah. Um, Maybe, and I know this is a long shot, but Superman versus the Elite kind of deal. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah. No, yeah, Superman's boring, Juwan. Uh, no, he yeah. is, but that storyline was really <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, Juwan. Like I just feel that you, you, you can have someone that could give him a physical, be a physical threat, but, but still uh, dial back a bit that uh, i just feel uh, like i feel that maybe cool. yes don't give me lex luther and his power suit i have never taken that one seriously okay um give me give me luther with the kryptonite in his veins that makes him strong no i'm kidding that's not my take but that was an interesting one i liked i'm from public enemies is it still uh, jesse eisenberg because <laughs> that'd be weird <laughs> I would no, laugh my good. ass off if they would uh, make him uh, crypt, uh, kryptonite. It's, it's in, uh, Jesse in Eisenberg playing The Rock, playing like. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I couldn't even say have him fight Black I, I guess that's an easy uh, call, but make that Shazam that, 3, please. Lex yes. Luthor, in my book, you should be uh, brain up wrong if you catch my drift. Yeah. Well, from what I know of Lex Luthor. Yeah. That's the one thing. That's the one thing I really I didn't like Birthright that much, at least towards the end. But I really liked the Lex Luthor and Birthright. Um, Juwan, what do you want to see with Cavill coming back as Superman? I do want to play a little off of what you said, jokingly. I kind of do want that, but the storyline, not necessarily Lex gaining mm -hmm. Kryptonite powers, but um, us being in a world where Lex Luthor is recasted. <clears throat> Brian Cranston, um, but you recast him, and you have it to where he's running for mayor, right? Not president. I think that's way too big, right? Because then it's like, well, unless you no unless way. you get Giancarlo Exposito to play, <laughs> is no, this just Breaking Bad now? <laughs> <laughs> he's got Marvel stuff to do. Um, well, don't play with me because I, I didn't even get into who Jesse uh, Jimmy is. Olsen Jimmy Olsen. Sorry. Yes, yeah, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. Uh, and he just says, bitch. Miss White. He would say uh, Mr. White again. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. But, um, let's no, do no, it. So, bitch. Like, Luther, that, that's all I want, right? Krypton, um, save bitch. Me, bitch. <laughs> um, but no, Lex Luthor is running for mayor. Uh, and you do this whole exposition of Clark trying to figure out what his actual motives are, right? And it leads him to a whole plan that Lex has. You bring in Metallo, right? Um, you bring a Metallo, you, you give us that visual of Superman overcoming that. 
Um, and then I do want an end credit scene of Kara, right? But Kara bringing a message of looming doom. And that looming doom can be Brainiac. And what I wanted to say is, Mike, to play off of what you were saying, yeah, I think it's best if we allow Superman to just have solo movies and let Kara be an event film, right? Let Brainiac and Kara be an event film that's separated from his individual movies. Because I think as a superhero uh, universe, we've gotten away from event films. And some of these things are better off as solo events than you telling me you have to take up this whole person's movie where you're bringing in all these different things that I'm supposed to meet for the first time, understand, you separate it, give it a movie that you can introduce Car properly, give that backstory, Brainiac is here, these two got to take him down. Um, so for me, I would just like to keep it grounded. Recast Lex, Metallo, Superman, in credit scene of Kara. That's where I would go with. I find it interesting that you mention about keeping him in his solo films. Because it takes me back to what I think is the most successful trilogy in Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is the Captain America trilogy, right? Like mm -hmm. the only reason um, Civil War works, though it's not perfect, but the only reason it works is because we have plenty of time to root for Steve Rogers. So we yeah. can really get behind him and everything that he presented in Civil War and everything he did in Civil War. I just felt like Civil War didn't progress his story anymore. Right, right, right. Than, but, but that wasn't the point of it, right? It was, it was just about creating yes. that divide. I, I, feel I love like it, it, but that's what does, I didn't like. That's a different conversation. But I feel like it kind of does progress his story because first Avenger, he wants to be a soldier. Civil War, he is now distancing himself from the government. Like, hey, I need Even to be more. my own hero because these guys clearly don't know what they're doing after the fall of Hydra. And like, I feel mm -hmm. like it kind of caps that arc he was having throughout the trilogy. And I feel like True. I had to dig through all the True. rubble of all the other story to get to that. <laughs> As opposed to just a solo cat movie where that's very clear. This is the focus. That's it. Civil War should have yeah. just been an event film. Well, I mean, technically it was, but... You know. It was, but I, but I agree with Mike. It did, it did bring a lot to Steve Rogers' development while being also an event film, but it would have been possible unless we had spent all that time with, with Cap first, right? right. Um, Mario, I know you have nothing to say about the future of Cap, but... Um, oh, I, it, I'm not it, recording it, an entire episode of my podcast later today on this very subject, but yes... Uh, what do I want coming up next? Uh, I want something where our Superman is fighting a sort of ideological challenge where he has to inspire hope and get people to realize an evil that's out there and pull everyone on, onto the same page. Where it's not just a big villain as the punch. It's an idea he has to, uh, you know, drive into the heads of the people of Earth. You know, you could tell a story where Brainiac is an AI form who actively spreads misinformation to try to guide humans to make poor decisions and creates its own sort of fake news and tries to influence elections and tries to do all kinds of other things because so Brainiac Brainiac's is just Twitter? <laughs> yeah. You know, but you could do a whole thing like that where, you know, you, you could tell an allegorical story using right. Brainiac as the stand-in for technology, for social media, for fake news, for misinformation. And you have Superman go after that threat in a way that, uh, you know, inspires humanity to have to stand up and think for itself and unite and not be divided by this, uh, you know, harmful misinformation out there. 
So anyway, um, that's what I would like. That's, that's the short version. Brainiac, a real ideological threat, something, a movie that kind of has a real sort of philosophy and allegorical theme for uh, how we need a symbol for hope in our world in real life. That's all. <laughs> cool. I, I agree with that one. I'm changing mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to expand a little bit on the one that Isaac mentioned oh, um, offshoot. And I kind of want to go back to something I wrote back in my Revenge of the Fan days. Um, I did a whole series on, on the DCU and DC animated film universe and how it contrasted a lot and why the animated films a lot of times were better than what we got, right? Um, but I kind of want to see, if not the same villains, at least the same type of story of Superman versus the Elite. And the reason I want this, and the reason I love this story, is because it is a fight for the soul of humanity. It's not just the idea of a villain taking over or stuff like that. It's literally the fight for that soul because you have this group of people, which can be anyone, can be any villain. Any villain can embody this idea of, which in, interesting enough, it kind of plays into the future Black Adam Superman fight also because when you have an anti-hero that takes lives and says, okay, for the sake of justice, that's kind of the whole plight of the elite where they're powerful enough so they can be judge jury and executioner and a lot of and here's the contrast which i love about it is you have the younger folk that think that the old ways of trying villains or locking them up or stuff like that is antiquated and doesn't work anymore sometimes you have to give them the death penalty you have to end them there's no way of trying to make them turn to good so these people as the elite come with this propaganda of hey if you have the power we're just going to kill the villains we're not just going to try and save them but then of course superman stands as the symbol of hope that believes that humanity can be good can be better so what does he do is he going to follow the tr follow the trend of the elite or is he going to stand up for that vision of right and be that symbol of hope and be that hero that we need, not the one that we deserve, which again is the whole thing about Superman, right? It's not just the Dark Knight. Superman did it first, damn it. Um, he is the hero that we need, not the one that we deserve, because he, he's going to do the right thing in spite of us. In spite of us rallying behind the elite or these type of villains he's, or these type of heroes, it also brings into conversation, what is a hero? What should a hero be for humanity, right? And, and why Superman is the best hero. So if you want a story that reestablishes Henry Cavill's Superman as the Superman of our generation, then we have to create him, recreate his image in an image that inspires the world and what justice looks like. That's why I love that the idea is all the, what's what ha, whatever happened with truth, justice, and the and the American way, of course, but the hope for all and all that stuff. So it's a great way of reintroducing Superman, introducing what he stands for, and also bringing people into his fold and what he's all about. Now the other side of things is that because the elite is a very public enemy, you have something for Clark Kent to do. 
because Clark Kent can then do the whole journalistic aspect of it. So we can see Superman both in Clark Kent form and in the suit working. So you can get a good glance of both sides of him. And, and what I like about it is that you can have Lois being that sounding board because he's asking himself these questions. Like, I took a chance on humanity. I took this leap of faith. But they think that these lack of morals is the right thing to do. Should I still stand up for them? So it's, it's all this conversation that, again, this guy, Superman, decides to do this with a smile on his face because he believes that we can be better. And what better way to beat the villain than to win the people over so that people choose the right thing? Bam. So your, your idea and my idea could work together. And even Juwan, you know, the, the mis Brainiac is mi spreading misinformation to get Lex Luthor elected to, to mayor. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it all works together, you know? Yeah. And, and the elite are the as the goons who, yeah, who he, Luthor yeah. has hired them as mercenaries to get people yeah. to turn against Superman. It all, it's yeah. one movie we just pitched right here. Yeah. yeah. Here's <laughs> James Gunn. <laughs> Dawn of Hope, done. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, if, you, if you're trying to, and, and it, it also, if we do something with that thesis, right, of having Clark doing, have something to do with understanding the state of the world, Superman trying to inspire the world in the future, there's no reason why you shouldn't call this movie Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Bam. What a great place to wrap things up, Brandon. <laughs> yes. I mean, I got to steer the ship. It's, it's the job. Yes. Um, so, guys, any thoughts before we close on this amazing, divisive, but interesting and powerful conversation on Man of Steel and Superman moving forward? Any final thoughts, guys? I'll just say I'm glad that it still seems to be the uh, in the cards for the new DC to keep Man of Steel uh, there was an interesting thing a few weeks ago where they, there was a highlight video clip thing that they aired before New York Comic Con, which basically showed what films they now consider canon and kind of which ones aren't by omission. But it basically it showed it like the first DC movie is Man of Steel and then it goes to Wonder Woman. Then it goes to Aquaman. Then it goes to Shazam. Then it goes to all the stuff afterward. So it seems like, you know, internally they're treating it like Man of Steel happened. The rest we're going to figure out a way to just never have to deal with again. So all I'll say about Man of Steel is, uh, yes, it's divisive. It has things I love. It has things I didn't. But I'm glad it still seems to be in play. And it's still sort of the blueprint where we're going from here. And uh, I'm with that. <laughs> I will say to that, there's a very good chance that after Flashpoint, James Gunn brings out the Men in Black thing and says, none of that happened, but the same actors are here. <laughs> yeah. There's so much red tape with what happened yesterday that it makes it hard to chart forward to tomorrow. Um, but I still think that this movie should still stay within yeah. the, uh, the history of Superman's story going forward. Like, it should have still happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I also like the fact that James Gunn is one of the people now in charge too, because if anybody can find writers and creators that can breathe fresh air to these properties, I mean, he got people. I mean, he, he I think it's his cousin or something. I think that did Brightburn or something like that. No, it's his brother. That's his brother. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, if he is, he's you know. 
he can find people to do great stuff. It doesn't have to yes. be him. But yes. what a great person. They all person have to have the last name Gun, but yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, there's my that. alert reminding me that I had to come off. It's either that or, or Raccoon. So, um, yes. Isaac. I don't Mike. really have not much to say at all. He's in the Phantom Zone. He needs five minutes. <laughs> He's in the little, ah, from Superman 2. He yeah. needs another five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um. Go ahead, Isaac. Did you have something? Sorry. No, I don't really have anything else to add. Like I said at the top, this is a movie that exists. Not a fan of it. Never watching it again. I only watched it for this podcast. Can't wait for the sequel. Man. Oh, Can't wait okay. to see more Harry Cavill Superman. Guys, thank you for joining me for the awesome TCA um, take on Man of Steel. Where can they find you, Mario? They could find me over at the Twitter at Superman on Film, all one word. They can check the Fanboy Podcast every Friday, and uh, that's it. Nice Juwan, where can people find you? <laughs> they can also find us on the Twitter, um, <laughs> Geek Vibes Nation, and also on YouTube for uh, our, our weekly live podcast. Mike. You can find me at Novice Cinephile on Twitter, on YouTube, and on the Amateur Otaku Podcast every Sunday. We're talking some Chainsaw Man, Bleach, My Hero Academia, and uh, I feel like I'm missing a show. Oh, yeah, Spy Family. Fun times over there at the Otaku. So subscribe there. Nice. Isaac, where can people find you? Well, writing, Vobem Entertainment, Twitter, Emblemania. And you can find me at the Scarlet Fan 52 on Twitter, and you can find the shatter after on twitter at the shatter after and you can find our episodes at the novice nfl network um and if you want to listen to us on the go you can find those spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found do not miss any of our october episodes we got constantine werewolf by night train to busan and we also have one more that i forgot it right now for some reason um, we've got black panther and moon knight dropping as well yes <laughs> a lot of great stuff for the tca guys Thank you for joining us. Have a good day. Stay awesome. Keep watching movies. Peace. Superman shouldn't kick. Superman shouldn't kick. <laughs>